By means of printing, the fund of knowledge accumulated through the ages is available to everyone. Printing zines has also been a major component of the information explosion. Welcome to Zine It Together. I'm Josephine Jay. And I'm Timotea Hader. And you're listening to a podcast that's all about zines and the people who make them. Today, we're going to be chatting with Kayla Shaggy. She's a really awesome uh, comics artist and illustrator here in the Valley. Uh, she does a lot of things, actually. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, there's also, like, her uh, series of, like, folklore animals called Monstrous. And uh, she's working on kind of a, a native futurism uh, sci-fi. The Kayla Shaggy uh, extended universe is growing by the day. Yeah, and a little bit of backstory even on how we're making this podcast and this particular episode. As you listen through this interview, if you hear things, it's like, hmm, sounds like these were recorded in slightly different places, or wait, where's Timotea? Uh, why is she being so quiet? Well, half the interview doesn't have Timotea, uh, because one interview was recorded just with me and Kayla, and then the other with both of us and Kayla, because at one point it was just going to be me making the show. Yeah, in terms of recording, this is the first episode we recorded and the latest episode we recorded. So in that first interview, you know, as you were just talking about, like we we, we got into like we got into a lot that, you know, talking about her different scenes from monster scenes to our sci-fi comics, um, talked a lot about monsters and like also Lesbian vampires? So we didn't we even didn't... get, we didn't even get oh, lesbian vampires. Oh, you didn't talk to, vampires. yeah, okay, yeah. cool. And so... We just talked about, we just talked about lesbian vampires. I know. We recorded this interview, and then, you know, um, we uh, I don't know, you joined the show. Yes. <laughs> I asked you, hey, please help me, please speak more. <laughs> please say smart things uh, in the mic. Um, ask zine creators interesting questions. Uh, and so we were like, oh, we need to record another interview with Kayla, um, but also because we had only gotten, honestly, to like maybe half of what Kayla does, that we missed out on talking about, ooh, she was in a little Netflix, uh, an episode of a Netflix series um, her art was featured in. The, we missed, I missed talking about the gay vampires. We did talk about some gay shit, but we didn't even get to the lesbian vampires. Truly a crime. Really. Yeah. I, I am a bad journalist for not getting to the lesbian vampires. Yes, that's what indicates a good or bad journalist and whether or not they talk about lesbian vampires. Um, I am a good journalist. <laughs> you are a good journalist. <laughs> I'm an excellent journalist who has never been to journalism school. You've had too much journalism schooling. and Yes, it actually has poisoned my brain. <laughs> Yeah, so you're going to hear a lot about monsters and her comics and uh, lesbian vampires. So stay tuned for the full interview uh, with Kayla. I'm really excited for it. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we're also just going to talk a little bit about what we've been up to. We've taken a, a month off from the podcast because we've been incredibly busy. Uh, what have you been up to, Timotea? Halloween. It's the, the busiest month of the year. Uh, I had... Um I guess my first, uh, like, uh, now that the weather's cooling down, the market season is starting up again. So I've had my first few markets of the season since the summer. That's really, that's a really confusing statement, isn't it? Uh, all right. Um, I'm just going to roll that back a bit. Um, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of Halloween markets. Um, I had Witchcrafted. Uh, I'll be having another Witchcrafted in December. And um, I have a show currently up in Trunk Space. Um, no thank you. Art as a form of protest. Go check it out anytime. 
or anytime that truck space is open. It's there are so many cool creators in that uh, show. So many awesome photographers. There's a piece made entirely out of duct tape. It's so cool. Yeah, your, your art is on display at the trunk space, and it's yeah. a show just all about protest art, really. In some sense, yeah. like it links back to protest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's all you know politically motivated um, art uh, protesting different things. So it's not all the same movement. It's all like whatever each artist is passionate about and passionate about speaking about. So yeah, there's some really great quilts. There's like, yeah, three quilts just about trans rights and it's amazing. What are your, what do you have on display though? Oh, I have a, a woodcut print um, and some pride hammers. No explanation. Mm-hmm. You can just go see them for yourself and yeah, check out figure Timotea. out what I mean by pride hammers. <laughs> check out Timothy's Instagram to, to find that little bit of info out. Um, but yeah, no, October was very busy. Just, I think what you were saying also, just like the fall is kind of the start of the market season. Like, yeah. Not that there aren't other markets that happen here or there, but like fall is like the time for it leading up, especially to, to the Christmas, holidays, yeah. Christmas, people getting gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, busy time. And like, I'm not really selling a whole lot of stuff. I, you know, I feel the last thing I actually tabled that was Zine Fest. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, asked you to, hey, can you sell my my stuff at your table? (laughs) And then proceeded to 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 leave. Not give me your stuff. (laughs) Abandoning you. I gave him one event. No, oh, yeah, yeah. You gave me, you gave me the the box of things. Um, and uh, but I'm thinking like the boxes, the boxes are big sellers. I know. I just have to make more. I know. Uh, well, yeah, that's the thing. What have I been doing? Not much zine stuff, to be honest. I <laughs> busy with work and not making zines. And <laughs> no, I think like uh, you're doing all these markets. You have work up, yeah, you know, in a show. Me, my biggest creative outlet, the thing that I was happiest about in October was like making my own costume. Uh, like, it's a good costume. Oh, thank you. It is a poison ivy costume that I made by basically hot gluing way too many <laughs> fake leaves onto a bodysuit. Um, that's like the, the easiest way to explain it because there are multiple pieces and whatnot, yeah. just a lot of hot gluing involved. But uh, and also some fabric paint. And but that's like the first time I've ever attempted to do any sort of modification to clothes or th- anything approaching that. And then for some, and now you've learned to sew. Yes, I'm now learning to sew too. And this is just, I was just, I was thinking about this of like these being the first times I've I've ever tried to sew, I ever you know tried to modify clothing, make my own costume. It felt incredibly daunting even thinking about doing it. Mm-hmm. Now that I've started even sewed my first little thing of fabric. Oh, I'm like, I can do this. And I think that's yeah. like really relevant too for this podcast, people's people's first zines. It, like, even, honestly, even just making, folding together a mini zine, if you don't know how to do it, you see a mini zine, you're like, oh, how, how do I make that? Yeah. It is a bit of a magic trick making a mini zine. Um, which we'll have to get into for another episode or like, but, but making any zine, you know, like just getting started with anything. Yeah. And I feel like, um, in this day and age, we do not really promote the idea of like creativity as a natural part of human existence. Like making a zine could be like the first time someone makes anything creative in their adult life. And that can, of course, be extremely daunting, being like, how do I just make a piece of paper into something that anyone cares about? But yeah, once you put that um, pencil to paper, uh, just put that needle through the cloth, you realize, actually, 
most things, once you get started, are really quite easy. Uh, they're very hard to do well. They're very hard to do, like, as an art form. But, like, you can start anything and, like, start to become good at it, like, immediately. Now that I've learned how to do a very, just, oh, here's how, here's how to sew. Here's how to th- <laughs> add thread to a needle and, and start doing that. Wow. It's not so daunting to even maybe sew together my uh, in my zines. I was always just stapling. And now just the idea of doing that was incredibly intimidating. And now it like the idea of just Googling it or asking you like, so what's the, what is the pattern of doing that? Like yeah. feels, Oh, like I could just do that. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I, I sew all of my zines. Uh, I know it's faster to staple. I, I hate it. I don't want, I hate relying on any machine to do a thing for me when I can just do it myself. Uh, so I just, I always have bookmaking thread around and I sew Every single one of my zines. So that's what I've been feeling recently is just as far as like doing things for the first time and feeling like, oh, yeah, this is extremely doable. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's been going on with me. Is that all you want to talk about? Unless you want me to hear me rant about Hosier. (laughs) Cut me off now. Oh, yeah. We saw Hosier. Oh, it was so good. Um, Without further ado, here's our conversation with Kayla Shaggy. Hello, my name is Kayla Shaggy, and uh, I guess you could say I'm a multimedia artist. I like to make comics, zines, and illustrations. Oh, and I am also uh, Navajo, and I am very gay. What kind of zines do you make? So I kind of make a lot of very comic-based zines, very illustration. I don't. I'm not one for personal zines. I kind of like more narrative-driven. But some of the characters are in, you know, the journeys they go through are kind of similar to ones I've been through. So the one I'm most known for, and you've probably seen it in many a zine store or something, is uh, Godzilla Decolonizes Durango, which is a sort of activist comic, sort of autobio. It's probably the only autobio thing I've made. And it's just about my experiences with uh, anti-native racism in Durango, Colorado. And at one point, Godzilla shows up. The cover always catches people's eyes. They're like, oh, it's Godzilla. And I'm like, yeah, but there's racism. (laughs) And they're like, what? Which I guess intrigues people, so they read it. But yeah, I really love the sequence in which, uh, you know, I'm in bed and then there's a big lot of big thunk noises. And I'm like, what on earth was that? So I'm tying my shoes, I'm riding the bus, and there's a little note that says the bus is 10 minutes late. (laughs) And eventually you see Godzilla's foot stomping through Durango. And you see Godzilla, you know, do his classic skrionk. And then the next panel has him talking. And he says, people of Durango, hear my proclamation. I am here on behalf of the indigenous people living here. And then there's a namely a white person, a white man, in the next panel that says, oh, he could speak English? <laughs> to which my character mm-hmm. avatar says, what, ki- what kind of question is that? <laughs> so it's kind of like, I, I really love dense details, uh, ink, ink work, mark making, and I just really love uh, creating these sequences with the panels to build up... Um, you know, whether it's conversations or action sequences. And I guess the reason why I feel conflicted about this being so popular is that I feel like for Native people, there's this uh, 
expectation that everything we make centers on the trauma we've gone through. Quote unquote, trauma porn, poverty porn. Um, So to me, I feel conflicted that this piece is my most popular when I feel like I've done a lot of other things as well. But it did get the issue out, which is about a very racist anti-native sign in Durango. It's a very stereotypical caricature of a native person. And, you know, Godzilla shows up and destroys it. So it was a very cathartic experience uh, getting to draw that. And, you know, the people I've talked to, um, especially when it's other native people, you know, usually tell me their own experiences of like a similar issue and just how they were thankful that I made this. But yeah, it's definitely a complex scene. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Is there a zine that you wish then was more popular? Like uh, you just can't you as you describe that kind of interplay of like, you know, you wish it wasn't just centering necessarily like native trauma. Uh, is there something of yours that you're like, oh, look at this too? I guess I kind of wish people paid more attention to the more narrative driven comics I make, like namely the sixth world, uh, which is kind of like indigenous futurisms, you know, traditional Navajo stories kind of combined with science fiction. And the main character is a young Navajo woman. And I don't know, I just wish more people would pay attention to that. Because it's kind of like, it's really hard trying to make something as a Native with like Native themes if it's not catering to, you know, the white eye. Like, as I say before, with like Godzilla decolonizes Durango with with the trauma porn, poverty porn. I, I wish more people would look at Six World mostly because it centers, you know, native joy, native creativity. It shows what, what I also want to do. Like there's more to being a native creator than the sadness. I think that's the best way I can think mm-hmm. of it. Do you want to describe the story or the world building in a little bit more detail? Yeah. Um, so Six World uh, is about a young Navajo woman. Her name is uh, Denora Redhorse. And... She lives on Mars 200 years into the future with her grandmother. And, you know, here I said I didn't want it to center date of sadness. There is some sadness in the first book. Um, She suddenly loses her grandmother, who is, you know, her only family member. And, you know, Six World is kind of like me looking at what it's like to live in dysphoria as, you know, here I am, a native person, living in America in a very colonized world. And, you know, I've heard other people say, like, being Native today feels like we're living in a post-apocalyptic world. So Six World does kind of um, harken to that, but it's also like there's giant bugs, there's a cool uh, coyote-shaped power suit, and there's mystery, there's intrigue, and, you know, there's there's some homoerotic tension, you know? So kind of like what I would have liked to have seen uh, growing up, you know, reading or watching on TV. It's the kind of series I want to make to try to inspire other natives and also just to shine a light on like native creativity. This is a total tangent, but I feel like very uncultured, you know, line work. I know what that is. Mark making. I haven't heard. Oh, yeah. Um, Mark making was uh, something my um, college teacher told me about when I was in uh, printmaking. 
Um, he often said that my style was, there was a lot of mark making and he was a guy who was specialized in abstract art. Um, but he said like mark making is basically like when you're making marks, um, I have a monstrous scene. So as you can see, I use like different marks to create these different patterns. And sometimes I'll hold like my pencil in the usual way or my pen in the usual way, or I'll hold it by the end. And I just experiment with, you know, moving the pen in different ways to create these different marks. So this zine was the first zine I ever made, actually. It's called a Monstrous Zine. It's a volume one. I made this in 2016 uh, when I was in college. And most of the images were either doodles that I scanned or some of the art assignments I had been doing at the time. And I applied for a grant at a nearby uh, art gallery, and they gave me like $500 I won. So I used it to make uh, 50 copies of this. And it's kind of like the first zine little little book I made. I mean, it's very, <laughs> it's very nice looking. Uh, I know most people don't think it's a zine. It's kind of more like an art book. But I kind of wanted something that would look really nice because I like my art quality and I wanted it to... Um, look and feel nice when someone looks at it so is there one of these that you really connect with oh um i would say the one i connect to too a lot is forest spirit which co coincidentally is also the one that's the most popular i have a uh, prints and stickers of him because people like like his image um but i came up with this because my friend told me uh like a like a scary story because i wanted him to tell me one about the time he uh, his uncle went hunting in the mountain uh, in the forest towards the evening and they were going cougar hunting I think and he was with some other men and eventually it got dark start raining so they they saw shelter in a nearby cave and so he was like the first watch for the night and he was kind of having fun looking at the tree lines and when lightning would flash he would kind of you know momentarily see stuff and then all of a sudden he starts seeing a, a, a figure among the trees and its shoulders I remember the way my friend described it were above the trees and it's kind of moving you know whatever it is it's moving closer and closer to the cave that all the men are in so when my friend told me that story I came up with this image so we have a large kind of very Bigfoot kind of creature with black horns white eyes and just you know covered in fur and he's kind of wading through the trees and there's some mountains in the back and there's a lot of you know, hatch crossing, uh, mark making, just a lot of different dense details that make your eyes uh, travel along the page. Uh, I think from there, I'm, why monsters? I just think they're neat. <laughs> um, I think there's the whole classic, like, you know, queer people identify and relate to monsters a lot. Um, there's that really great Guillermo del Toro quote, uh, monsters are the patron saints of our blissful imperfections. And he said that during his award ceremony when he won Best Film for Shape of Water at the Academy Awards. And I don't know, I just, I love monsters. Um, in my Navajo culture, we have stories of monsters. I grew up watching kaiju movies and horror movies with my family. And I just think they're really neat. And I. I've been scribbling and drawing them since I was young. So they're kind of like my friends and I kind of feel like them in a way as 
I know all too well the feeling of being othered. So I worked for Unsolved Mysteries back Ooh. in 2022, and uh, I had actually was contacted in 2021 in December or November. It was near the end of the year, and I got an email, and it looked like spam. You know, mm-hmm. this this woman uh, producer, she said, "My name's Caitlin Cut, and I would love." to hire you to work on Unsolved Mysteries. Would you be interested? And the episode we're doing is about Navajo uh, paranormal phenomena on the reservation. And I can explain more in the phone call. So I called her and the gist is that they were interviewing uh, these Navajo rangers um, and they work on, they work, their base is kind of like Window Rock Mm. um, because, you know, uh, the Navajo Reservation is roughly the size of the state of Virginia. Mm. It's a very large area, so you don't have as many police officers. Anyway, they made like a special uh, subsection uh, where the Navajo Rangers would deal with paranormal phenomena on the reservation because Navajos would call in with like reports of shapeshifters, uh, you know, Bigfoot, UFO, just weird things happening. That sounds so, like a dream job, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, we would love for you, you're a Navajo artist, to be drawing the images for the things we just mentioned, the phenomena. And, you know, we found your art on Instagram and then it linked to your website. And we really enjoyed uh, your charcoal pieces. And I thought, I have to take this job. Like, this job was literally made for me. And, you know, I grew up watching Unsolved Mysteries, and I love mm-hmm. the show. I still watch it. I love watching the reruns. Um, yeah. So I did uh, 40 to 50, I think 45 to 50 images for them, all in charcoal. And then in January 2022, uh, at the end of it, uh, my girlfriend and I went to California to Burbank. And, you know, they gave us, they paid for our, our hotel and our transportation and, you know, we got there, spent the night, and the next day I had to go to their studio. And it was such a wonderful, like, place to film. You know, they got me this old, like, drawing, uh, writing desk with, like, a <laughs> bunch of little drawers. It was all wooden. And so I had cool. this huge chair with, like, red plush. And they were like, oh, should we light a fire in the... In the, in the um, fireplace? Fireplace, yeah. You know, because there was one in the background because there was, like, a stone, like, a literal stone um, interior in a big window with, like, bars. And, you know, like, it was just the whole aesthetic was amazing. Mm. And personally, I've always wanted to do films, but I couldn't, you know, afford going to school for it and, you know, the materials. Doing comics is, like, the next best thing for me is, like, it's, like, the ultimate, like, director experience. I can control everything. I just have to draw it. That's the only thing. So getting to experience that set was amazing because I never thought I'd be able to be on set to be participating in a um, project. And so, yeah, they had a camera above me and then a camera behind me and I think another uh, camera as well that could be freeform. And so I brought in drawings that were 80% done and then I would do the remaining 20% Mm. on camera. And it was funny because, like, I had to do a weird, like, posture so my head wouldn't be in the way. Yeah. So I was drawing in a way I normally wouldn't draw. Mm. And my hand was holding the edge of the pencil. So when you watch the episode, you can kind of notice that. Uh, It was a really great experience. And it was so hard staying quiet about it until October 2022. (laughs) Because I didn't know when the episode would get released. They said summer and then late summer. And then it ended up being fall. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you can announce your participation in the project once the episode comes out. And my episode, I think, came out a week before Halloween. Oh. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. So it was just super fun telling everybody. And people were like, oh, my God, Kayla, she's yeah. on Netflix. Ah. <laughs> what did you end up drawing? Like, and you said there were, like, you know, so many. Yeah. So I guess, like, the number one thing most people want to know is, is, like, what was it like having to draw the shapeshifters? You know, because oh, they're yeah. so they're so famous, you know. Well, I mean, within Navajo tradition, Navajo stories, yeah. there's a lot of non-native made movies and media mm-hmm. and a lot of people like appropriate uh, skinwalkers, you know. And when they called me up to do this episode, I thought this is a great chance for a Navajo person to be involved with the creation and presentation of these creatures, because up until then, it's always been non-Navajo people. You know, and people always, like, use it in their scary stories or their scary movies, and they're not really thinking about this creature and how it pertains to our culture, because to us, it's still very real. Mm. So I wanted to give it, like, the respect, but also the fear that it needed. And um, I know I talked to my parents, and they were like, well, you already already draw monsters all the time, so it's fine, but some people might get mad at you. Mm. And I was like, well, it's better than a non-native person drawing them, which is going to happen if I don't take the job. Um, so when I was drawing those, I was coming up with the idea that I was drawing it based on what I think they would look like. I wasn't drawing from any particular, um, stories I've heard of. So one of the things that's really interesting to me is that I didn't get to hear any of the stories that they were going to tell for Unsolved Mysteries. They were just like, draw a UFO, draw Bigfoot, draw this, draw that, you know? And then it was crazy how the images really matched up like mm. nicely with the stories. And I hadn't even heard the stories until then. That's so spooky. Yeah. So, you know, drawing drawing the uh, shapeshifters was like, you know, a chance to really like scare people. Like they were just like scare people really hard with your pictures. Like make it scary and then take it a step further. And I was <laughs> like, I love that because I love drawing scary things. Yeah. And, you know, the idea was just like, not exactly a werewolf, but just something that like, oh, you shouldn't be seeing was the mood I wanted to convey for those images specifically. And I think I did pretty well. Yeah. Like the idea that, oh, you saw that and that's, you fucked up because you saw that. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. like more than like, oh, it's just a fucked up dog, you know, mm. more like you're seeing something that's like pretending to be a dog. There's a difference in the visuals for it yeah we'll have to watch that episode it's um season three of unsolved mysteries episode five and it's called paranormal rangers uh so moving on a bit um so you do mostly comic work um and i wanted to ask what would you say like goes into making a comic like where do you start do you start with the imagery or do you start with like a character idea i actually start with like the character idea Mm. um i guess since we recently read death becomes her i guess i could focus on that as an example absolutely um so annalise was one of my oldest ocs i made her back in high school (laughs) but i didn't know what to do with her so i just had her like on the shelf and then uh recently i started drawing mariana again and Mm. i came up with mariana when i was in college Mm. and originally she was going to be a witch like a snake themed witch but then i thought oh it'd be cool she was a vampire wait do i have any other ocs that are vampires oh i have annalise well, maybe Annalise turned Mariana. And then, mm. you know. And then it goes from there. Yeah. It just went, and it was like, oh, wait, I got it. <laughs> so, you know, just building blocks around them. What kind of world do they live in? How mm. did they meet? And what, what happens? So Death Becomes Her is a comic I came out uh, recently. And it's a story about this young um, Afro-Mexican woman named Mariana. 
and, you know, Mariana is dissatisfied with her life and, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's suicidal ideation and, you know, she suddenly chances on upon this like potential secret to immortality. And so she does more research into it because she wants it, you know, she wants to become immortal to break past the, the confines of her current life. And, you know, it does, you know, draw on like personal experiences, you know, and, um, there's also gay, gay stuff. Lots of gay stuff happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's like, it's like a lesbian horror romance vampire story. And it's named the after my inter- favorite movie. <laughs> yeah. The best intersection of genres. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like like monstrousness uh, works so well as um, gay media, not even just like a gay metaphor. Because so many of us are forced to, like, part of growing up is just coming to terms with... Um, kind of like having to hide yourself. Um, not and- only that, but also like having to come to terms with all the, like, mythos you've been taught surrounding like who you are and it's just like okay all right um let's consider for a moment that hell is real uh and i'm going there is it still worth it to live of course yes all right i'm uh, i'm cool with going to hell all right the next thing uh am i evil well if i'm evil then that must mean something different than what it is so like yeah okay cool i uh am a monster that means monsters must be pretty cool. And like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, um, something I mentioned uh, off mic earlier is like, there is um, a consent involved in becoming a vampire, even in the original mythos. Um, you have to have a vampire drink from you and also drink from that vampire. And that is a, like, an action that you can't really be forced to take uh, very easily. Uh, and you kind of take it one step further. And uh, death becomes their spoiler alert. Mariana realizes the act of becoming immortal is involves consumption, you know, because like all living things need consumption. Oh, I also forgot to mention she's a uh, entomology major. Oh, she loves bugs. Yeah. Um, so she discovers that the secret is that she needs to consume an immortal's blood or part of their body to fulfill the transformation. And then she meets the immortal in question. Mm-hmm. And then the immortal is like, you were you were halfway there. You were correct. But the other part of it that you have to do is that you have to feed from me for 30 days to, you know, facilitate and complete the transformation. So the idea being that I think when you become a vampire, I think there's like a physical metamorphosis that takes place. Mm-hmm. Also playing into the bug metaphor and like, you know, different stages of transformation for, for bugs, like molting and, you know, your insides are goop, you know, and, uh, I think vampires are like bugs, (laughs) but yeah, that part of like the consensual thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, it becomes more of like a, in, uh, kind of eternal ramifications of a momentary decision and more of like an active pursuit over the course of months to like become some, become who you want to be in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I look at vampirism as like, transforming as like positive you yeah. know it's, it's kind of like an elaborate coming out story but there's blood <laughs> and 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 horror and things honestly what good coming out story does not involve blood and horror and things yeah feels very trans to me <laughs> oh yeah you know there's there's oh, yes. of- have, haven't you heard of the trans blood ritual yeah <laughs> 
you know, it's it's really interesting too because like before I came out with the comic, I had been drawing Mariana and Annalise a lot on my social media. Mm-hmm. And that's something I also do in the formation of my comics is like, I want to get acquainted with the characters. I want to, you know, talk to them and, you know, you know, you know, draw things and come up with their wardrobe and how they live and where their takes, where the, you know, this and that. And I also put like parts of myself into them to make them more relatable. Of course. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I tend to do that for like a year to two years before I start making the comic. Yeah. Like I have a character who's pretty much just me in middle school, but kills people. So amazing like, yeah. <laughs> yeah so you know coming up with average dbh you know and i've had people like uh multiple people like tell me like they read annalise as trans mm. and you know that wasn't my intention but i guess also as like a genderqueer woman gay woman i'm like no maybe it was intentional maybe it was you know maybe subconscious was, yeah. this entire time so, you know, if people read her as trans, then that makes me really happy. Yeah, it's interesting uh, when you're, like, making characters and, like, you know you're putting parts of yourself in, in them. So it's like, okay, yeah, this character is definitely, like, some formation of my autism. But also, they have a different kind than mine, and I need to make sure I get that right more correct oh than gosh. I would on my own. <laughs> yeah, when you have to do the research. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, for Mariana, it's like, I love bugs, but... It's like I have to do research into entomology majors and what they actually do. Yeah. And then, of course, like uh, Annalise works as a museum archivist. So now I have to do research into what they actually do. So mm. it looks like plausible and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So much research. So much research. That's what they don't tell you about <laughs> comics is like there's so much research involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is there a, a zine that someone else has made you want to recommend? Yeah, I brought them with me. Um, where are they? <sighs> So I have a friend, his name is Damon Begay, and Damon is also Navajo, and we met, the first time we met was 2018, uh, Indigenous Comic Con, he was there with his girlfriend, but now they're married, Um, but yeah, he was making comics, and I was making comics, and he seemed really approachable out of everyone else I met at the convention, and we were just like, wow, you're so cool, you know at each other and they just started this very long friendship of us sending each other's work back and forth and Damon just makes really cool stuff like he makes zines he makes comics and you know he'll make stuff about Pokemon or he'll make autobio stuff or he'll make these comics that can be fantastical or they'll be more uh, grounded but still with like this very playful creative um, tone to it um, but yeah, we did a workshop yesterday together and he made a one page zine that's about his, uh, Pokemon Magmar and it's about his Pokemon, you know, battling a wild Charizard and just his, his thick ink strokes and just the use mm-hmm. of like black and white and negative space, you know, his style is just, it's just so fun to watch. And I love his like panel setup. It's so unique and different. And then uh, one of my favorites is uh, Resbot. He made this, I think, last year. And it's kind of like a square-shaped zine. It's like color and black and white. And it's got this like classic thick newsprint feel to it. And it's kind of like about a robot that was raised on the res, you know, Resbot. And how even though he's like a robot, he's kind of, he's basically like almost like a native guy, you know. But because he's a robot, people don't, like, won't accept him because of that. Mm. 
but it's 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 a really fun um scene comic and just his like take on indigenous futurisms and he uses tones uh tone paper too to create these really cool patterns and i love his robots he always makes such good robots and there's a bunch of cool little robot illustrations his re- he did this one for halloween last year it's called our spoopy halloween and he was telling me how like exhaustive the printing and, and production of this was. But I love the little like uh I guess cloudy cover and then you reveal it and then it's a uh, Damon on the cover with his wife and they're surrounded by monsters. <laughs> and on the back is the same kind of clear paper, like dust cover over the back, and there's werewolves and then the clear cover kind of ha- the paper has like bats on it and it's like I love Halloween stuff. And both he and his wife worked on this one together. They have uh both of their art and their comics in there. But he was just like, the way he talked to me about it, he made it like as a sort of activity book, you know, to do for, <laughs> that you do for Halloween that you fill out. Spooky prep- preparations. Costume, candy for trick-or-treaters, or no, all for me. <laughs> Spooky <laughs> decker, garlic just in case. And a shovel for the zombies. 31 days of horror. Yeah, this is, I mean, you know, there's like a bunch of these filled out and then... Space to add your own, some comics. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, Damon's just, Damon's always coming up with something cool, and I really love his work. So I feel like, you know, we're getting close to the end here, but mm-hmm. we need to talk about prompts. Oh my gosh, like, yes, the what, prompts. <laughs> what are you going to make? What inspir- It's really like, you know, what inspiration, like a prompt as a source of inspiration to actually go out and make something. Yeah. Um, and there's one that I have thought of over the course of the conversation, but mm-hmm. like we can talk about it or maybe come up with something entirely different. Okay. Um, uh, which is make your own monster. Yeah, that's cool. I, yeah, I think making your own monster would be fun. Um, I think in one of my monster zines, one of my friends was all draw me as a monster Ooh, and really? you can use it for your, your next book. Uh, so my friend, my older friend, uh, Nancy, she wanted me to draw her as a monster. So I was like, uh, I was like, give me some ideas. Like, do you want wings? You know, what's, what's the, like the element of it? So I came up with like a, like a big old lava dragon. That's so cool. Yeah. And then she said, you can use this in your monster scene. So I gave her like a bunch of horns and big old wings and just big claws and stuff. So yeah, I think make, make a monster or turn yourself into a monster it might be an easier prompt. You turn yourself into a monster, I feel like, is very apt. Yeah. Yeah. So with this prompt, whether it's like make your own monster, make yourself into a monster, just kind of off the cuff, what kind of monster are you? What kind of monster am I? What kind of monster are you? (laughs) What kind of monster are you? I'm thinking about it. Give me a second. I'm also thinking about it. (laughs) Jesus. I want... Thick, fluffy fur. Because, oh, yes. I mean, you you two have probably noticed by now I really love drawing fur. Um, horns? Just... Definitely horns. And a tail. I don't know if I want, like, a serpentine tail or, like, a mammalian tail, but mm. a tail definitely. A big, fluffy tail. Yeah. And I kind of want claws, but I kind of want to be able to retract them. Could have cat claws. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Like, I like chimeras. Is that how you say it? Yeah. I think chimeras are cool. Yeah, you get a little bit of everything. Just chimera. a little bit of everything, yeah. yeah. Mix and match with your different favorite animals and then just make something weird. I think I just want to be a big, scary dog. I think I just want to be a big, fluffy, scary dog. Yeah, I was going to go like the demon route. Uh, you know, <laughs> wings, tail, horns. Well, that yeah. is my Halloween costume this year. Oh, it's is a, a printer's devil, which is a little play on, well, play on concept of like 
historically the what they called printer uh, printmaker's assistant is a printer's devil so yeah i feel like the other thought i have though beyond oh demon woo, uh <laughs> Is like probably on the edge of what you would consider a monster because it's like more in just ooh folklore fantasy like kind of very nature spirit like dryad sort of you know vibe. You do have elf vibes. <laughs> you do very much have elf vibes. It's the height. Mm. <laughs> yeah, just hanging around around a tree. I can also hang around the tree as as a as a big scary dog. I can hang around wherever the fuck I want if I'm big and scary enough. <laughs> you could just take a nap under the tree. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny uh, thinking of big, scary dog. I have a character that I uh, draw a lot, and, you know, it's called it's called the wolf. Mm. And it's a character that's going to show up in an anthema, so I'm really excited. Nice. Um, but they're kind of like the mascot character for the monstrous scenes. Nice. And I have stickers mm. and, you know, the hoodie. The hoodie has a design of it on there. But it's really funny because people are always like, what is that? Like, like they come to my table and they're like, what is that? And I'm like, it's a wolf. And they're like, it doesn't look like a wolf. And I'm like, it's a different I, kind of wolf. It's I'm a, like, you guys are boring. It's a monster wolf. Like, it's if it was just a normal wolf. wolf, it would just be an animal. Yeah. Like, but maybe yeah. be weird. But it's just funny because I've heard people say, looks like a dragon. Looks like a possum. It does look a bit like a possum. Which is fine because I do love the thick mane with the kind of like the, the white furred face. I think it's the set of the mouth. Yeah, the set of the mouth probably too, but yeah, it's just it's just a fucked up wolf. Yeah, yeah, and I, I love I love fucked up wolves. I think they're interesting. Yeah, the thing about being a big scary dog is you you always have big scary dog friends. And they always travel in packs. So yeah, yeah. me and the girlies howling at the moon. Oh yes, yeah. I guess the thing about being a dryad is you have a tree. You always have that one tree <laughs> <laughs> until you don't anymore. Watch out. <laughs> Until uh, a development company oh comes through, and mm. <laughs> it's okay, your your wolf buddies will come in and just eat everybody. Yes. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Uh, you can find Kayla Shaggy at Triple Jeopardy Productions on Instagram. Uh, also, their website kaylashaggy.gallery, and her Patreon is patreoncom slash Triple Jeopardy Productions. They currently are working on putting out a new edition of their uh, ongoing series, The Sixth World. Um, you know, if you want to support the show, if you have a question you want to ask, whether it's us or other zine creators, please feel free to email us at zenittogether at gmail.com. Uh, our email list, if you want to get updates from us, is zineittogether.substack.com. You'll be the first to know when new episodes are coming out and who we'll be chatting with. And of course, you can also find us on Instagram, you know, social media. Our handle is at Zenit Together. Where can you find yourself? Uh, where can I find myself? Uh, I find myself uh, at the kitchen table <laughs> quite often. On the internet? Uh, on the internet. Um, you can find me at Little Patch of Hell on Instagram. Also, littlepatchofhell.com is my website. You can find me and my tabletop role-playing games at Alunus Press on Instagram. You can download them online at alunuspress.itch.io. The music used in today's episode includes Hello by Kirk Osamayo, Slow Lights by Lee Rosevere, Cyber Anxiety by Halizna Creative Commons Zero, Comfortably Loved by Soft and Furious, and Mermaid Butterfly by Soft and Furious. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.
Get out of here.